Good evening, Glastonbury. Oh man, it's so good to be here. We we're supposed to be doing this three years ago. Yeah. So anyway, listen, here we are. We've got some old songs for you. We've got some new songs and some in-betweeners. I've got a feeling we're going to have a great time here tonight. Welcome to Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. Join me, your host, Sam Wiles, as we discover the history, the music, and the man behind it all, Paul McCartney. To get in contact with the show, email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Hello, 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 goodbye, 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 and welcome to another episode of Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all, all of, the time. of the time. I am, of course, your host, Sam Wiles, and remember, this is Wide Screen Podcasting. This is Wide, wide screen, screen Podcasting. Podcasting. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you're all well, safe, and sound. Right, everyone, seeing as how I didn't do an episode about McCartney's 80th, it would be pretty bad of me if I didn't do one on his now iconic turn at the 2022 Glastonbury Festival here in the UK. And hey, I'm not such a bad boy no more, so let's do this. Well, I say let's do this. This is now the third time I've approached this topic this week. However, rather than getting ahead of the curve and having this episode done in a more timely fashion, leaving me more time to work on other projects. Yeah, this is instead the third time I'm sat here in front of this mic trying to do some sort of Glastonbury-based content. Originally, the plan was to do a solo live commentary, and anyone who is on the Patreon know how well that went. I got about 40 minutes in, realised Paul was doing the long show, the proper two and a half hour spectacular, and I realised I would not be able to keep up the energy required for the content to be any good at all. So that was abandoned. Then I decided to do it again with a co-host. I got uh, at Beat Bailey, who you will know from an episode of Mac It In Your Attic. He was the last person to be featured on the recent episode of The Best of Mac It In Your Attic. He told a great story about meeting Paul on the day of... Uh, the lyrics interview down in London and then after recording a great episode we had a fantastic time lots of laughs and opinions had by all I realized that none of it was recorded and so yeah now here we are and unfortunately it's just me today folks you're just gonna have to put up with just silly old Sam and rather than the kind of conversational back and forth mode I did before Instead, today, what we're going to do is we're just going to go through all of the points that I've got written down, quickly go through the set list, talk about everything that happened before, during and after the show, and then close it out. It's going to be a little more linear and straightforward than the conversation we had, Uh, though I will say I do have the benefit now of knowing all the stuff that I learned from at Beat Bailey after our conversation, so at least this is a more well-rounded episode whereby I'm not going, oh really, half the time. But yeah, folks, I did still want to do this episode because, 
you know what? This Glastonbury performance really has been completely stellar and I wanted to tip my hat to it and just talk about it for a little bit. So much so that I've been willing to do it two more times than I thought I would. But yeah, no more moaning now. Let's crack on with the show. And before we can do anything Glastonbury-based, we must first crack on with the... Housekeeping! Starting off, do we have any news for today? Yes, we do, but it's all contained within the content of the episode itself, so I'll move right forward to the correspondence. Yes, to get in contact with the show, please email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. If you've got anything to say about Paul McCartney or the show, no matter how tenuously linked, please email in. I love reading out any and all correspondence you send into the show. We actually have an email today sent in by Janine, and it's actually very interesting, if I do say so myself. She says, Hi Sam, I'm a relatively new listener to the pod, and a relatively new Beatles slash Paul fan too. I've grown up knowing who the Beatles were, and even a lot of their songs, but I'd never really listened to them properly until I had watched Peter Jackson's Get Back. Now, I'm obsessed. Paul's genius and drive really stood out to me in the dock, and I dove straight into his solo music along with the Beatles. It's been a beautiful journey, and this podcast has been a great companion. I also wanted to talk about Paul's Glastonbury performance. I went through the trouble of getting a proper VPN so that I could watch it as I'm not in the UK. Shh, don't tell the BBC. It blew my mind. The man is 80 and he did that. I'm 22 and I can barely get out of bed in the morning. I saw some people complaining about the set list. In my opinion, if you're not familiar with all of his solo music, that's on you. What a legend. Mainly, I'm just super depressed about the fact that it is unlikely I'll ever be able to see him live as I don't live in a country where he tours. Maybe one day I'll be able to travel, but he's probably nearing the end of his touring days anyway. I hope people that have seen him really cherish that experience. I wouldn't be surprised if he keeps going until he physically isn't able to do it anymore or until he drops. Good old Macca. Anyway, I just wanted to say hi and say thank you for all the hard work you've put into the show. Keep it up. Peace and love, Janine. Peace and love, peace and love. (laughs) Thank you so much for your email there, Janine. It's so cool to hear from one of these fabled young people who were introduced to the Beatles via Peter Jackson's Get Back series that us podcasters have been talking about and theoring about incessantly. You know, whenever there's a new Paul or Beatles release, we always say things like, oh, well, you know, this is a chance for the new generation to get into stuff. And I think Jackson's films or series was actually one of those ones that actually did introduce a new generation to the Beatles properly, you know, like something like the Anthology Project or something like that. Also, just talking about Glasto, I love the fact that you used a VPN to watch the performance. You know, that's proper dedication there. And as someone who uses licensed music all of the time, I always appreciate people skirting uh, grey, amorphous laws to get their Macca content. I just want to say as well, I do cherish the fact that I got to see Paul. I was concerned when I saw him back in 2018 that it was going to be towards the end of his touring days and already he's done another tour and smashed it at Glastow. So, you know, keep up the hope, the hope for the future, keep up the faith and maybe you will still be fortunate enough to see Paul in some capacity. Best of luck in that regard and thank you so much for the email. Now, if you have anything to say, like Janine, please do the same and email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. I'm looking forward to it already. To get in contact with the show even quicker and for daily updates, follow us on our Twitter page, which is at McCartneyPod. Check out the blog for 
bonus Paul Ullerthing written content, which is at paulmccartypod.wordpress.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by typing in either Paul or Nothing or Paul McCartney Podcast. Uh, of course, YouTube is the place where you can get all brand new episodes of Macca in Your Attic, our memorabilia-based sister show. I do have a guest lined up for that next week, so there'll be a new episode soon. Now, if you want to give back, if you want to help out the show right now in a way that takes less than 30 seconds, please leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening on, whether it's stars, a thumbs up, a like, a tick, maybe even a nice comment. Anything you can do for the show is greatly appreciated. It gives us that extra bit of visibility and advantage over the algorithm and all of that. And of course, anyone who can go onto a Facebook group and share an episode of the show or mention us in a comment section somewhere else, that would be fantastic. Also, now, if you want to give back more directly, if you want to help see the show grow, if you want to help me pay for new equipment or product to review, or just keep the lights running here at Paul and I think, hey, maybe even just appreciate appreciate all of the hard work that I do here on this podcast and you want to throw a couple of dollars at my face every month as a way of saying thank you, then please consider joining our Patreon page. Patreon, as I'm sure you know by now, is the platform by which you, the public, can support independent content creators such as myself. But it is not just a gimme. You do get your money's worth. You get two days early access to all episodes of Paul or Nothing. You get instant access to episodes of Macca in your attic at least a week before that's published. You get instant access to the Paul or Nothing video feed. So anything I do on Zoom with a guest, if I remember to record it, gets instantly put up onto the Patreon page. You can see episodes weeks, sometimes months in advance. Plus you also get the benefit of the visuals as well, which you don't get anywhere else. You get access to all of the scripts that I use for each episode. There's lost bonus and unreleased episodes of Paul or Nothing as well. And of course, you get access to the bonus Patreon weekly vlog episodes where I just do an extra hour or two of Paul or Nothing every week just for the patrons. Part 11 is out now where I'm discussing all of the 80s tracks that Paul has and hasn't done live. And part 12, probably going to be recorded after I do this actually, where I go through all of Paul's 90 songs to the present. Because yeah, I, I don't want to drag out that series for an, another three weeks. So I'm going to be discussing everything from off the ground up to McCartney 3 that he has and has not performed live and what I'd like to see changed and maybe slipped into a set list or a sound check here, there and everywhere. Also, I just want to give a huge shout out to our new patron, John Carp. Thank you so much, John, for joining our little family. It's always appreciated. Appreciate. <laughs> and as always, the fact that anyone would want to give money to the show still blows my mind. I hope you get your money's worth. I hope you enjoy all of the bonus content. And yeah, just I want to say thank you so much as there is no greater motivation than knowing that not only are you providing people with entertainment but you know you, they're actually paying for it as well <laughs> you know if no one was paying for the show maybe there'd be a little bit less effort who knows so you know if you like the the high quality that this show obviously puts out right now you know please keep being a part of our patreon family a family who include people such as new patron john carp then there's Brian Brigman, Andy McNeil, Boz76, Jeff H, David Staberski, Mitzi Carter, Andy Cochran, Guy Jenkinson, Nancy Twoey, Richard Campbell, 
Christopher Newman, Mrs. P, Broderick Harper, Moki Ryber, Robert Shuley, Richard Driver, Chris Atkinson, Richard Binnington, Mr. B, Teresa Brader, Stephanie Miller, Katrina S, Sam Hode, Lou DiLonardo, Robert A. Carabelli, Warren Butson, Cheryl McCoy, Matt Phillips, and of course, Mr. Percy Thrillington himself. And now that that housekeeping is out of the way, it is time for us to put on our wellies, wrap up our tents, sneak in some illegal drugs, put on our wristbands and go celebrate the Glastonbury Festival 2022 with our man Maka. Let's go. So starting off, just what is the Glastonbury Festival here in the UK? Well, obviously any of you asking that did not listen to my previous episode where me and my good friend and patron Matt Phillips covered McCartney's Glastonbury performance in 2004. But yeah, to anyone who doesn't know, Glastonbury is basically the most important uh, popular festival here in the whole country. There are other rivals to it, like most notably like, I don't know, like the Reading Festival or the Isle of Wight, but they're mainly rock shows, whereas Glastonbury now has become a little more homogenised, it's a little more varied in its content and the kind of acts that it has playing there. Like, you know, quite famously, there was great controversies around Beyonce and Snoop Dogg headlining the show. You know, it, it probably was a bit more rocky back in the day, but now it's just a general music festival. Those who go there tend to go for several days, maybe even up to a week, camping out up there in Somerset. You know, it's a whole little community. It's a whole little mini travelling city where everyone is drinking and taking drugs and holding giant flags and generally being modern-day hipster hippies. Uh, there's a certain social currency that comes from going to Glastonbury you know it's a very popular event it's a bit like Coachella in that sense maybe you know that it's a good opportunity for people to take photos of themselves for clout you know the majority of people that go there obviously are diehard music fans and you know just love seeing live music but there's also the element of like say you might have two of the most popular or influential friends in a social circle wanting to go and then them just dragging along a bunch of other people and those people just kind of see what acts they know and want to see. Normally when people go to Glastonbury there are one or two acts that are the draw for them and then for the rest of the day they are free to go around and see other bands, see new music and you know dabble in all of the events and activities that are available. There's loads of food, there's loads of little games and other types of tents and activities. You know, there's, it, it's one big adventure. I myself am not much of a festival head. I don't particularly like going to anywhere really. Uh, you know, you know me, I've got a little bit of agoraphobia, that kind of thing. The idea of being stuck out in a field in Somerset for, you know, a week on end is not my idea of fun. I'd probably have to be quite inebriated the entire time to cope, but that's me. You know, it's it's a it's a very popular show. And I did have some friends who went there, one of whom can be seen for a brief split second during the McCartney performance. Shout out to Rich. Lots of love for you there. Um, and yeah, this year, Paul McCartney headlined. That means he was one of the, the, the main acts. He was on the largest stage, the Pyramid Stage, which is for the headliners. And of course, 
he was meant to do it a couple of years ago, which he mentions live in the show. You know, we were meant to be here two or three, two or three years ago. Um, that Charlie Lightning documentary that was detailing Paul's career at that point was meant to culminate with his Glastonbury performance. I imagine that that film is still in production, and what a film it is going to be now that Paul has had such a brilliantly successful uh, Glastonbury outing. You know, it's definitely going to allow that movie to end on a certain high note. Of course, Paul is now the oldest headliner ever at Glastonbury. He recently celebrated his 80th birthday, and how fucking cool is that? Our boy Paul is the oldest person to ever rock Glastonbury, and he rocked it hard, rocked it well, and people have been going crazy for this show. Rather, coincidentally, this is occurring at the same time that Glastonbury has had its youngest headliner in the form of Billie Eilish, which is very interesting considering that Paul is literally four times as old as her. Uh, Yeah, very interesting set of acts at Glastonbury this year. I wasn't particularly interested in Billie Eilish's performance, of course. Uh, The only other acts that I was interested in seeing were Kendrick Lamar, who's basically a better version of Kanye West in terms of public perception. He's a fantastic rapper. He's better at rapping than, say, the production side, you know, the the kind of the yin and yang there. Um, He gave an incredible set. Uh, I really enjoyed listening to that with my friends the other night. There was, of course, Jack White, who did a bit of a secret show. I don't think he was announced. He just kind of showed up and did his thing excellently, as he always does, really ripping that guitar. And finally, there was St. Vincent, who I was hoping was going to come on stage with McCartney and do Women and Wives. But alas, though, her set was quite interesting, actually, because she actually took a lot of her old songs and put them into her new sound. I know that that's either going to annoy people or really interest them and inflame their curiosity. Uh, yeah, obviously Paul is the exact opposite of that. He's been doing these songs the same way since, you know, 1976. But yeah, um, there wasn't too much else for me. This really was the highlight, seeing my boy Paul. I, I was I was off that night. It was my holiday. And I, w- I was happy to stay up and watch Paul perform live. Well, not technically live. There was a bit of a controversy by the fact that there was a one-hour delay between the broadcasting of it and the time it was filmed. Now, this didn't necessarily bother me. As far as I'm concerned, there should be a certain benefit and incentive for the people who go to Glastonbury that they, you know, hey, they get to experience it an hour before everyone else live. You know, that's what they get for paying Um, And yeah, some people were a bit upset that they had to watch it an hour later and stay up an hour later, which is fine. I get that. But there were also conspiracy theories abound surrounding this show. The line that the BBC has put out is that the reason for the delay was that there's a great, you know, lot of work to do in terms of filming and capturing an event of this scale. And the one hour delay is just to compensate for that. But there were some people theorising that just in case that this show was awful and it wasn't fit for broadcast, it would give them an hour to touch things up, edit things out, or maybe even just scrap the whole you know show completely. Thankfully, that's not what happened, and you know everyone has benefited from it. We've all been able to see this fantastic show. Yeah, overall, it's been an overwhelmingly positive reception for this performance. Every single newspaper headline that I've seen, every article that I've admittedly skimmed through, 
has been overwhelmingly positive. People have been very charitable and warm in their welcoming of Paul into the modern Glastonbury world. You know, I was expecting to see none of this. You know, it really could have gone one of two ways. There's definitely an alternative timeline here where this set list just does not go down well with anyone at all and it is widely mocked and all of the old, you know, are Paul's too old, Paul's voice is shot comments would just be everywhere. And yet, every single major publication that I've seen has unironically praised this performance they've praised McCartney's energy on stage they've praised the set list they've praised the crowd they've praised the band they've praised the overall performance and even his voice you know I didn't expect to see stuff like that and it's just so heartwarming to be a Paul McCartney fan a Paul McCartney content creator someone who lives and breathes Paul to see that not only the whole country but the whole world has basically said that this is one of his better performances Clearly, doing the entire Got Back tour in the run-up to this was a massive boon for him, as well as doing the uh, small show for 700 people in From the night before, or From, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. But yeah, you know, there were those shows at the start of the Got Back tour, like, you know, Spokane through to, like, Fort Worth, those early shows where things were a little rusty, Anderson... And, you know, his voice hadn't quite got into the swing of things yet. But now that we are here at the end of the Got Back tour, his voice is back. Clearly, the two years off were the best thing for this Glastonbury performance. I'm not sure if doing the Glastonbury show right after the Freshen Up and Out There tours would have been the best thing. This is clearly the better version of what we were ever going to get. It's been quite, you know, coincidental in that way. Everything's fallen into place rather nicely and everything has fallen into place but yeah uh, let's get into the show itself let's talk about this set list i was a little bit surprised that it was basically just the got back to a set list and i'm not saying i wanted him to change the songs or i thought he was going to change the songs because I didn't like the Got Back Tour set. No, you know, for what it is, you know, the immovable, unshakable McCartney set list that has very little uh, divergence in it, the Got Back Tour is a very strong one in terms of its song selection. What I mean is, though, is that I was surprised that he didn't change the ordering of the songs because, you know, there's, there's a load of normies out there in this crowd. There's a load of regular old Joes and straight up just uh, Beatle fans out in that audience. It's not a Paul McCartney crowd that are going to be inherently excited to hear some of his solo stuff. And it was impressive that he still had this concert front-loaded with both Wings and solo material. Let's just look through the set list now. You know, in the first 10 songs, we have Junius Farm, Letting Go, Come On To Me, let me roll it, let him in, my Valentine, and 1985. You know, and then even then, song 11 is Maybe I'm Amazed. So, you know, for the first good half hour of this show, it is mostly just Paul McCartney stuff. There are only three Beatles songs in that, which you have the opening, which was Can't Buy Me Love, the fourth song, which was Got To Get You Into My Life, and then... The seventh song, which is Getting Better. Still, 
you know, general logic would dictate that maybe you do can't buy me love into got to get you into my life or something like that. Maybe split up some of the Beatles songs towards the end because surprise, surprise is very backloaded in terms of Beatle numbers. Maybe bring a few more of them forward just to give the crowd something to sink their teeth into right away. And no, that's not what he did. He stuck to his guns. He knew that this set list works well with a lot of the audiences, a lot of the general audiences that he's been playing for before. And he stuck by that. I really did enjoy that. Though, rather hilariously, there were some complaints, especially on Twitter, and thanks to my my missing co-host at Beat Bailey for filling me in on this. But there were quite a few people complaining about this set on Twitter for the first half. There were a lot of people live at Glastow, you know, the hour before we saw it, saying that, oh my God, this is all just cold cuts and solar stuff. There's no Beatles stuff here. It's a really bad set list, yada, yada, yada. Apparently there's even footage of people leaving the show towards the back of the crowd during the first half because it wasn't for them. And it is their loss, really, because, again, for anyone who's done any basic amount of research into a McCartney live show, they will know that (laughs) as you come towards the end, it's going to be all Beatles all the time, as we know. You know, if they're stuck around to the end, you'd have... (laughs) Being for the benefit of Mr. Kite, something, obladi, obladi, you never give me your money. She came through the bathroom window, get back, and I saw her standing there all in a row. And then you got the encore, which is, I've got a feeling, Help Skelter, Golden Slumbers, Carry That Way, and the end all in a row with Hey Jude preceding it. And it does drive me kind of mad, this this mindset. It might be the most hilariously normie-based argument I've ever heard. You know, the act you were about to see there is not called The Beatles. The big name on the stage is Paul McCartney. As Janine in the email mentioned earlier, it is not his fault that you haven't taken the time to check out the rest of his illustrious, beautiful career. And besides, there could easily have been as many people decrying the lack of cold cuts and album tracks if you'd have done all Beatles song. You know, the whole thing is stupid. But if we just do the maths for a moment, for a moment, he did, in fact, do a total of 22 Beatles songs when compared to seven Wings tunes and seven solo numbers, as well as a Quarrymen song and a Springsteen number. But even just looking at the basic comparative numbers there, Paul nearly did two to one in terms of Beatle to solo stuff. And yeah, you know, the first half was mostly populated with solo stuff, perhaps giving people a wrong impression. But who doesn't know by now that Paul ends every show with mostly Beatle songs? Like, have faith. Have you done no research whatsoever? Do you just think he comes out and plays wall-to-wall Beatle numbers? Yes, it sometimes feels like that for us solo fans, but it's really not the case. I mean, all of this moaning about the set actually led to a very strange moment where Piers Morgan, uh, a very hated figure here in the UK for all of his weird opinions and political stances. He went over to America, of course, for a while. He's come back to start a new channel here in the UK, which I'm not going to be watching. He used to be a newspaper editor, got done for all sorts of dodgy practices like phone tapping and stuff like that. He's also the man who told Paul McCartney who Heather Mills was while she was on stage, coincidentally, so read into that what you will. But yeah, Piers Morgan was actually defending Paul on Twitter, writing, and I quote, 
Twitter's moaning Macca didn't do enough Beatle hits. He played Can't Buy Me Love, Love Me Do, I Saw Her Standing There, Lady Madonna, Blackbird, Get Back, Something, Let It Be, and Hey Jude. Those songs are alone nine of the greatest pop songs ever. Twitter, shut the fuck up. And you know what? As shocking as this is, as crazy as I feel right now, I actually agree with Piers Morgan. That's how good this show is, folks. If I can be serious for a second, though, folks, something I want to bring up, and I mentioned this in the ill-fated commentary, is that it was just so surreal to think that at the same time I was watching this show, or an hour before, in most cases, there was hundreds and thousands of people that were appreciating Paul's solo stuff. Like, the the idea that there was likely more people listening to Come On To Me or Fur You at one moment than at any point during the release of Egypt Station was just surreal. You know, the idea that I was listening to Junior's Farm or Letting Go or Lenham In with thousands of other people across the country and that they were all loving it as just as much as I was. It was, a, it was a humbling feeling, it was a strange feeling, but it was also, it was a real warm moment for me. I was so happy, I was so glad the gig was going as well as it was. And uh, I haven't got notes on every single song, you know, because most of it was just very, very strong. You know, there's only so many ways you can say, I like this song, and it sounds great, and the band were on fire, the crowd love it, you know. But just some general thoughts. Uh, Can't Buy Me Love, it was an excellent opener. He came out with so much energy, and as far as I could tell, he won the crowd over instantly. Uh, then he went into Junior's Farm. Something I did notice was that he doesn't say, take me down Jimmy before the solo anymore. And now he says, take me down Junior, which I thought was quite interesting. Then we had Let Him In. And this was this one was done really well. I think the crowd were really vibing with this one. And loads of people were singing along. Though it turns out, uh, and I didn't know this at the time, Beat Bailey taught me this is that this song is actually used here in an advert here in the UK for something called the Postcode Lottery. I'm sure there's an equivalent in the States, like a zip code lottery, whereby everyone in a certain uh, postcode, a certain area code, a certain zip code, go in for a lottery, and then if they win, it's split amongst all the people who took part. There's a very famous advert here in the UK, the Postcode Lottery! And, you know, everyone's screaming and cheering and huge oversized checks are bought through people's front doors. And I never put it together, I must have just subconsciously not heard it, is that the song Let Em In is used for that. And that's probably why so many people in the crowd were singing along with, you know, someone's knocking on the door, somebody ringing the bell. And apparently, according to my ill-fated co-host, there were people on Twitter bemoaning the fact that Paul was supposedly shilling and advertising this company, the Postcode Lottery, without knowing the fact that he wrote the song back in 1976. Yeah, you know, the idiocy surrounding this show knows no bounds. It really doesn't, folks. Also, you know, this is just so reminiscent of, like, do you remember when Paul did Four or Five Seconds with Kanye and Rihanna? And people were like, oh, my God, Kanye and Rihanna have dis- you know, discovered this old man, McCartney. It's so nice for them to put him on this record. Who is he? Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, then we had maybe I'm Amazed, which Paul was very strong on, actually. He really did give this one a good go, and you really felt the benefit of all the previous shows and the tour warming him up 
for this rendition of the song. And just before the final solo, in a way that's very indicative of the fact that a large majority of this audience might not know Solo Paul, was that just before he goes into the solo, they, they immediately start going into the applause. And then someone, I don't know if it's Paul, but someone on stage definitely goes, wait for it. And then he goes into the big And it was just really, really funny to me to see Paul like coach the audience through his performance. Then we had I've Just Seen a Face. Wasn't too much of a fan of this one. It's basically still the same arrangement from 1976. And again, they're just not able to capture the magic that was on the original Help album with those two like dueling acoustic guitars. And you don't get the clarity and the separation you need to really convey that. It was all right, but there's a million other acoustic songs they could have slotted in there instead. Of course, being in the acoustic section, we get In Spite of All the Danger and Love Me Do. And I know I've, I've hinted that maybe In Spite of All the Danger could be dropped from the set at this point and it might be a bit overdone. Seeing Paul do it in front of so many people and all of them get into the whoa, it really was something spectacular. It's definitely a crowd pleaser song in the sense that it's great for them to sing on day, even if they might not necessarily know it. And then they learn something about the early Beatles and meeting John and all of that. And something I never even realised, and I did appreciate this time around, was the fact that there's a little bit of a chronology in In Spite of All the Danger going into Love Me Do. You know, it's the first song they recorded together with In Spite of All the Danger. And then the first song they recorded as the Beatles. And you get the fun song about John and the harmonica and stuff like that. But it made me think, like, Paul could totally do a show where he just goes through all of his songs in chronological order, talking about them that way. That would be very interesting indeed. Uh, then we had My Valentine, and when I was recording live, I remember mentioning the fact that Paul was uh, you know, going to court disfavour by still using the Johnny Depp footage, um, much like I mentioned in the Got Back episodes. This is basically part six of the Got Back series, I guess, the culminating part. But yeah, much to my non-surprise. There were several articles in The Independent and on their website where they were saying, you know, people were upset by McCartney using this footage of Johnny Depp and how him including this footage is an implicit expression of support from McCartney to Depp. And, you know, I like to think of myself as being quite progressive and forward-thinking, but this is just classic woke nonsense. No one who was there live was thinking, oh my God, Paul's using Johnny Depp. So, you know, they were enjoying the magic and the majesty of the show. I mean, Paul has known Johnny Depp for absolutely ages. He's been in two videos from around 2012. He was, he's in Queenie Eye as well. And Paul even did a version of Come and Get It with the Hollywood Vampires, which is a band featuring Johnny Depp and Alice Cooper and someone from Aerosmith, I believe. But yeah, you know, McCartney is just friends with this guy. He was in the music video. Paul has legal access and right to use the music video in his live shows. And so he does. I mean, I'm sure if Natalie Portman ever gets cancelled, maybe something to do with Israel, perhaps, I don't know. Is she going to you know, draw the same ire towards McCartney? Who knows? You know, in in these modern days, there's so many excuses to get offended. This is just one of them. Though something, again, my ill-fated co-host Pete Bailey mentioned is that 
Paul himself has had a very public, very open, very salacious divorce trial. And yeah, you know, it's not the same as a defamation case, but you know, it's basically the same thing. And I'm sure Johnny and Paul have discussed it. I'm like, oh, you know, I saw a woman drag me through the mud as well. And <laughs> like Paul, you know, Johnny Depp's career is probably going to take an upturn now after that messy divorce because he's going to do the Pirates of the Caribbean movie films again, possibly for $300 million. But yeah, enough of that. On to Dance Tonight. We were all treated to... Abe's dancing in full HD, which was a joy. You know, he's doing this, like, shuffle dancing and the crowd are going crazy for it. And the rest of the band clearly really dig it as well. They're, they're all laughing and smirking and Wix is wagging his finger in, in mock disapproval, which was very cute. On to Blackbird. Uh, this is where my friends who are in the audience uh, were nearly part of a fight as they saw someone shove a woman in her 60s, just some dickhead, and they, they nearly got in a fight with him. They had to hold one of my friends back. Fortunately, security had the guy removed. But, you know, it didn't detract for any of them. You know, the, 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 the glory that was Blackbird. They're all very emotional. Speaking of emotional, when we got to here today, even through a TV screen, an hour delayed and many miles away, it was still incredibly emotional for me to hear Paul talk about John and sing about him. And, you know... By the end of the song, there were one or two tears leaking out of my ducts. Uh, then we had Lady Madonna, another kind of low point of the gig, I guess, for me. Uh, the piano playing and the overall speed of the song was really slow, and it just didn't feel like Lady Madonna. Uh, this and obviously in her face would be the ones I would pull from the set. Then we come to New, and I love the little preamble where Paul like addresses the audience, and, he's, and he says... You know, we know which songs you like and which ones you don't. Because when we do like an old Beatles song, it all lights up with your phones. And then when we do a new song, it's like a black hole. And I thought that was really funny. Great bit of banter from Paul. And he did the song really well. You know, with all of the songs that are from, say, the late 2000s onwards, where, you know, where it more closely matches his voice, there is a real charm to it. And he smashed it. Then we come to something, and I did think to myself during the, the, the show that, you know, as strong as it was, Paul's never going to be able to top the performance that he and the other players gave during the original concert for George. And, like, even just, like, the way Paul introduces the song in the concert for George, rather than be like, yo, let's hear it for George! The way he just goes, you know, this is a tribute to our beautiful friend. You know, just that itself is the perfect setup for that song, and... You know, having Clapton on the guitar and joining in with the vocals, it, it's really hard to be topped. It does feel like something light or diet something, you know what I mean? Then we have You Never Give Me Your Money, or College, as it's called in the set lists. It was definitely funny for me that Paul introduced this song as one that he and the band have, quote-unquote, never done before, even though he's done it on, like, the last 20 gigs in America. You know, if he'd said, we've never done this one at Glastonbury, we've never done this one in Europe, we've never done this one in the UK, that would make sense. But I don't know if it's just him outright lying to the audience just for the sake of stage work, or if it's just the generic patter and banter that he's set up previously and he's just repeating it, you know, going through the motions. It was a little weird. 
Uh, I don't like the fact that the song is called College on the set list. That just feels wrong to me. And yeah, getting to hear the weird way they go into this song live in, you know, full HD and properly mixed and stuff was interesting, I guess. Um, it, it is nice that we have this song going into She Came In Through the Bathroom Window. But I still don't know why we can't have the, you know, bum, 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 bum. Is it because it's, do, it's too difficult to get Paul on the piano, then back on the bass and move all around? So, like, you know, they, they just start at the bit where they're all on their guitars. I reckon that might be the case. Uh, and then, finally, the only song I really want to comment on is I've Got a Feeling... Yes, I have been a bit cynical towards this song on all of the previous Got Back episodes, talking about it as being a bit gimmicky. And, you know, seeing it live, seeing it done properly, you know, as close as I maybe will be able to, yeah, it did feel quite emotional, actually. It was it, it was quite charming, and it was the, one, of, one of the darlings of the show. And whilst I'm not going to say it's not gimmicky... I'm going to say, or at least concede, to the fact that the gimmick certainly works. Speaking of gimmicks, something that really wasn't all that spoken about or advertised in the run-up to this was the fact that we actually haven't had much fully produced, professionally recorded live McCartney material over the last few years. You know, all we've really had are the smaller shows at the Cavern or Grand Central Station around Egypt Station... And now, at the end of the Got Back Tour, we have a full tour set list in HD with excellent sound. And I just thought that that was a wonderful change of pace. You know, so much of his latest tour has been based off poor iPhone recordings done in the middle of a crowd on tiny recorders and speakers, yada, yada, yada. And it was great that not only did we have... Paul at his best, you know, he's limbered up, he's ready to do this, he's warmed up over the course of the tour, but also now we get to hear it with the best possible equipment and technology and production. Like, that just felt like, again, everything was coming to place at the right time. You know, this was the best way we were ever going to experience the Got Back tour without actually having been there. And, oh my God, the whole thing just sounds so slick and well done. This is basically... Even if it isn't that right now, it will become, over time, the de facto Got Back live DVD equivalent. I'm not sure if the BBC are ever going to release this. I'm not sure who owns it. Maybe Paul now owns the audio. I don't know. But this is the Got Back live show that is for the masses now. And it's it might be the best one that he's done all year. That's just... Oh, it's so great. And even now... If you go on Spotify, let's just go on there right now. Paul actually has a playlist based on this Glastonbury performance, which I think is really fucking cool, actually. Um, sadly, it's not the same audio. It's not just taking all the audio from the Glastonbury show and putting it out as an album. It is just all of the songs from their original albums put into the playlist. But the fact that even, you know, Paul Spotify is recognising this, his team is recognising this as a success and putting this out, again, is very heartwarming. You know, the idea that this hasn't just been instantly forgotten and that it's an instant success 
resulting in his marketing team putting out this playlist is just a wonderful feeling. You know, we are at another peak in the McCartney canon. You know, he's just going from strength to strength. And the fact that things are going along this trend, again, makes it so exciting to be a Paul McCartney fan, a Paul McCartney content creator, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Let's also talk about his voice now for a moment as well. This was his major chance to show the world that he wasn't yet past his prime. And honestly, he completely smashed it. As I've said, he's limbered up, he's warmed up, and his voice was at the best possible place it could be. Again, the two years off has definitely benefited him here. And something else I was thinking about during the show, and I brought this up with Beat Bailey, is that the idea that maybe the people who criticise his voice are not the biggest of fans. Like, you know, everyone who loves these songs and lives and breathes these songs, these songs are part of their soul, you are going to be singing along throughout the entirety of it. And, you know, kudos to all of the cameramen during the show because every single song there were shots of people singing along, you know, really reinforcing the idea that everyone's enjoying the show. But, you know, if you're really going to be vibing with Paul here, you are going to be singing along and maybe that will result in you not, listening quite as intently as before you know because you're kind of just part of the moment and you're having fun whereas safe you don't know letting go or fur you then maybe you are just gonna be more closely paying attention to the literal sounds that are coming out of his mouth and being a little more critical and so i think that maybe most of the criticisms are you know leaning towards like the solo stuff just because people aren't that aware of it whereas you know during hey jude no one's ever going to you know, besmirch his voice there because they're all going to be doing the na na nas as well. Actually, during maybe I'm amazed there was a little moment where he did start to crack and did this kind of strange squeak when he reached one of the higher notes, and it did reinforce something that we talked about on the other Got Back shows that he does have to do these vocal tricks to get through the show. And the fact that it was so well recorded means that you were more easily able to pick up on stuff like that. You know, Paul was mic'd up very well here. It wasn't like Live Aid or anything like that. And so since it was so finely recorded, you were able to hear a lot of the tricks he is doing to, you know, continue with this performance. But that doesn't take away from the performance or the show or the enjoyment for me. And if anything, it reaffirms my admiration of Paul because it's so great to see him persevere and do things slightly differently just so he can not do anything else differently. You know, he's never going to change the key, and so he's going to do all these new tricks. And, you know, an old dog is learning new tricks just to give us the same experience we all know and love, and yeah, I really enjoyed that. Continuing with the idea of Paul on stage, let's talk about his banter. Uh, obviously he came on stage and mentioned that they should have done this two or three years ago, which instantly won me over. And, you know, we were going to get all the ones we we got before, you know, stories that date back 10, 20 years in in his set. We get the Jimi Hendrix, Eric Clapton story, after Let Me Roll It, Foxy Lady. We get the Love Me Do lead vocal harmonica story. We get the Here Today John story, the George ukulele story you know we get all of that and overall it really did drive home to me the email that we read out the other week when someone said that we should not forget that the majority of the people in the crowd are hearing these songs for the first time and you could tell people were really truly loving all of these little nuggets that he was giving them 
there was one moment during one of them where he kind of had to keep stopping and starting just because the crowd was a bit maybe more raucous and uppity than he might be used to. You know, this isn't a solemn Beatle crowd. This is a, a generic, rowdy rock and roll crowd. And Paul did have to, you know, control them a little bit more than he was used to. But he got back in the end, he did. Also, there was this one bit when Paul just, like, mentioned the town of Liverpool. The crowd just screamed uncontrollably, and he got them to cheer for Liverpool, his home city, again, which was a nice little touch, I thought. But, you know what, let's talk about that crowd in general. Um, I mean, I might be being a bit assumptive here, but as far as I could tell, they were all fucking loving everything. They were crazy the moment he came out, and... As far as the broadcast on TV and iPlayer was concerned, there was screaming from the start to the finish. There was one particularly fun moment where Paul mentioned, and that's when all the girls started screaming, and everyone screamed in the audience, and then he says, can we have a Beatles scream? Everyone went mad again. They really gave it their all. You know, it was a good crowd. So many people in that crowd are going to be, A, diehard Beatles fans, but they're also just big music fans in general they are going to be of a mindset that Paul is an elder statesman that this is an important gig an important show and that all of this music is classic and timeless and is to be appreciated it's a crowd that knows that you get it you know you get from a gig what you put into it and it was just nice to see that they were all going along for the ride being very charitable and giving Paul his fair due there was also another part where the crowd spontaneously, quote-unquote, broke into a rendition of Happy Birthday. And I did ask my friends whether they were prompted at all by management or by you know the stage hands or anything. And it turns out that it was a 100% real moment that happened. If anyone knows who the person who started chanting Happy Birthday was, please put me in touch with them. Also, I don't know if any of you out there caught this, but there was one moment where there was some commotion in the crowd and Paul had to, like, stop for a brief moment. And it is detailed here in this article from the Sun newspaper, a newspaper that, again, is not sold in Liverpool (laughs) for reasons we're not going to go into. It says, A Paul McCartney superfan has claimed he saved her life by rallying crowds to help when she collapsed watching him at Glastonbury. Lisa Morris, 50, passed out with hypothermia a few songs into his set. She had spent seven hours standing in the cold at the front of the festival's pyramid stage, waiting to see the Beatles legend. Nearly four million watching on TV saw Macca, 80, stop the show when he realised someone was in trouble and asked, What's going on over there? He gestured bystanders to help, adding, Is there something happening there? If so, let's tend to it. Come on. A moment later, he added, It's okay, we sorted it. It's sorted. There you go, mate. He then joked, It wasn't that solo I played. All right. On-site medical staff took NHS nurse Lisa to the hospital tent where she spent the rest of the evening. Doctors told Lisa, who was wearing a Macca t-shirt and Sgt Pepper denim jacket, that her temperature was a dangerous 35 degrees Celsius to below normal. So yeah, Paul, you know, in the wake of the awful Astro World disaster concert that we had last year, is showing how you do it in terms of taking care of your audience, being present and looking after people. You know, a guy of 80 with no glasses was able to spot someone in a crowd, in a sea of people in distress, and he was there to sort it out. So big props to our man, Maka. 
Of course, we cannot have this conversation without mentioning the two guest stars from this show, from this set, and they were the great Dave Grohl of Nirvana and the Foo Fighters, and the great, if not greater, Bruce Springsteen, the boss himself, who had already played with Paul at the last show of his Got Back tour, and it was generally a surprise to see both of them. I wasn't expecting any guests, especially guests of this calibre. You know, the moment Paul brought out Dave Grohl, it was incredibly emotional already, because not only do they have this long-standing history uh, you know, he was at the White House gig. Foo Fighters have been playing Band on the Run for ages. But also, this is Dave Grohl's very first public appearance since the loss of his drummer, Taylor Hawkins. And, yeah, you know, what what better way to slowly ingratiate yourself back into the world of live music than with your idol, Paul McCartney? It was it was a very nice thing for for Paul to do, really. I, I was suspecting that Grohl might have been in the UK helping to organise the live tribute show for Taylor Hawkins that is going on, possibly. I don't know that for a fact. Uh, Dave Grohl did I Saw Her Standing There, which, as far as I'm concerned, is the go-to generic guest song for people to do with Paul McCartney because everyone can play I Saw Her Standing There. And then he did the song that he's very familiar with by this point, Band on the Run. Both were absolutely excellent and a real high point of the show. Then, of course, he brings out Bruce Springsteen immediately after. There was no gap between guests. Paul was like, we got someone else and they're here. And before he even mentioned who it was, people were kind of screaming. I don't know who they thought it was going to be. But then, yeah, Bruce Springsteen comes out on stage and they do... One of his own songs called Glory Days, which was an absolute highlight. I'm going to put that at the end of the show as the secret song. And into a disappointing rendition of I Want to Be Your Man. Okay, the performance wasn't disappointing, just the song choice. You know, like, if you're bringing Springsteen on, can we do something a little more exciting than I Want to Be Your Man? You know, that's a that's a song for McCartney's sound checks, not for the guest spot show in a Glastonbury gig. But whatever. Um, I did think it was interesting that Springsteen got to do one of his own songs and Dave Grohl didn't. Maybe indicative of the fact that Springsteen was releasing music back when Paul was probably listening to the radio a hell of a lot more than he was. He might not know how to play a lot of Springsteen songs, but he knows how to play Glory Days. I don't know. Um, The idea of putting the guest spots back to back, though, was very interesting indeed. It did really give the show a bit of energy towards that you know, two-hour mark. You know, you could really feel like the crowd were getting invested back in the show again. That was all very fun. Though, apparently, the guest spot of Springsteen had already been ruined on Twitter. He'd already been spotted at the festival, walking around, patrolling the pyramid stage. And so I think a lot of people who were especially active on social media were not too surprised that Springsteen showed up. But the fact that he flew over all the way just to do a couple of songs with Paul and then, you know, do the end was absolutely great. Uh, Speaking of the end, they all did the three-part, like, solo bit towards the end. Though I think, like, Brian or... Rusty were also involved in it, so it was like a four-way solo off, and that was really fun, just seeing them all doing their own styles and unique takes on guitar play was very exciting, it was a great laugh, it was, you know, it was just them having some fun with the Beatles classic, and that's one of the few songs where you can kind of riff and vamp, and they were all doing it 
with excellent form. Again, still heartbroken that Paul didn't invite St. Vincent onto the stage to do a rendition of Women and Wives, but alas, you can't always get what you want. And yeah, we are we are coming to, to the end now. This is pretty much everything I have to say on this. I mean, my chat with Beat Bailey was an hour, and that had back and forth. So the idea that this is also lasting around an hour is quite funny, uh, although that does include the uh, housekeeping at the start. But what I'd like to say about this show is that he really proved everyone, or at least the critics, wrong. Paul really seized this moment, he seized the day, if you will, to show that he really still can get it up and he can still rock with the best of them. He brought the house down here. Even if there was some doubt and a bit of uncertainty at the start of the show, by the end he had won everyone over, according to my unfortunate host. Twitter was absolutely alight with positive messages of Paul and how well the show was going and how much they were enjoying themselves. And that's just the best news ever for me. Even better news would be the fact that this show could lead into some UK tour dates being announced. I mean, it would be a wonderful jumping off point. It would be a great sales pitch, you know, after his Titanic appearance at Glastonbury, after his 80th birthday, Paul is now going to do 10 shows in the UK. 10 shows that hopefully would include Birmingham. Come on, Paul. I know you only do London, Liverpool and Manchester, but come on, please come to Birmingham. It's got a lovely little stadium and I'd love to see you here. I really would. <sighs> but yeah, after all of that chit-chat, I guess the short version of this review is that Paul McCartney at Glastonbury 2022 was pretty damn good. It was pretty damn good. I really enjoyed it. I hope you did too. Folks, if you've enjoyed this episode, if you've enjoyed the show, please drop me an email at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Let me know, were you watching it at home? Were you watching it on the TV, online, on your computer screens? Were you there at Glastonbury? Were you at Glastonbury 2022? Were you at the From or the From gig the night before with 700 people? I want to know anything and everything about your experience with Paul McCartney's Glastonbury performance in 2022. What do you think? How did he do? What do you think of the set list? What do you think of the guest performances? How, what do you think of the crowd? Let me know your thoughts. I'd love to get another conversation and a dialogue going here as per usual. But yeah, that is my look at Paul McCartney in Glastonbury Live 2022. I've said my piece. I didn't want this one to be too long. Again, like the other got back ones. So yeah, all I'm going to say is thank you everyone for listening to the show. It's been an episode of Poor or Nothing. Peace and love, peace and love. Harry, Harry, Krishna. No more autographs. I'm too busy. Peace and love, peace and love. Play us out, then.
And this guy flew in, especially to do this. Oh my God! Well, I mean, I started on Wednesday, and the flight got canceled, and then I started going back to the airport on Thursday, and then the flight got canceled. But the, I swear, I would never miss being right here with you right now. Right now. Right now. Well, thanks, ladies. So much appreciated. Love you.
Dave. Thanks, man. We all love you. Thank you, Paul. Ladies and gentlemen, one more time, David Grohl. you know he said he'd come over and I, I didn't believe him but I should have because he showed up yeah. and uh, we've got another surprise for you we just don't care from the east coast of America from New Jersey, Mr. Bruce Springsteen!
say? Oh, man. Thank you for inviting me. You kidding? Thank, Thank you for, you for coming, man. <laughs> I mean, these two guys, they flew in especially for this tonight.